What's good, everybody? This is your host, Jack Sperry. This is the Rabbits Take Podcast. It is Wednesday, June 8th. Game 3 of the NBA Finals tonight at 8 o'clock on ABC and the NCAA College World Series Championship between the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns at 7.30 p.m. tonight on ESPN. Uh, So let's just jump right into this. Let's talk about the NBA Finals here. Game 3 tonight in Boston. This game is going to tell me a lot about Golden State. It's going to tell me a lot about Boston in particular, okay? Because I want to see how their young stars react to this stage, okay? They're back on their home court. They're not in enemy territory. Uh, The fans are going to be behind them. Will Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown step up is the big question for me. If they do, I think that they win, and they win pretty easily. Uh, if not, the Warriors have a shot, and I will start to be become very, very worried for this Boston team. Um, it's game three at this point. You know, you should be used to the pressure. You should be used to the stage. You should, you should feel like you're starting to uh, acclimate yourself to this kind of uh, big stage. And if tonight Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continue to take a lot of tough shots, a lot of contested looks. Uh, not you know not really sharing the ball with the with their excellent supporting cast um you know it's it's going to be tough for them to win this series and tonight is going to tell me a lot um if the warriors win tonight i think that they're right back in this series right now i think that this series is boston's series to lose but if the warriors win tonight and win handily i might switch my pick uh i might i might switch my pick to the warriors um especially if wiggins and thompson pick up the pace because Wiggins had an all right game one and then really did not play well in game two and then Thompson has not played well in either game in this series Curry's been uh has had his moments of greatness throughout this series I expect to see that again tonight Um, and another thing I expect to see tonight is that Draymond Green is not going to have the same leniency with the foul calls that he got in Golden State he was practically able to tackle people uh in the Bay Area and now that he's in Boston, the fans are going to be, you know, uh, against him. It's going to be not nearly as uh, lenient, uh, the referee, the, the officiating tonight for Draymond Green. I expect him to get quite a few fouls. I think that uh, he's going to he's going to continue to be Draymond Green. He's going to play super aggressively, and I think he's going to get a ton of fouls. He might foul out tonight, actually. So, um my expectation tonight is that Brown and Tatum will settle in. They, I expect Tatum to have over 30 tonight. Jalen Brown, I expect him to have over 20 tonight. Um, and, you know, we'll see with the Warriors. But I think that if Tatum and Brown and then if the supporting cast does their job, they hit their open shots. You know, the Warriors can't keep up with this team because Boston is very good defensively. We'll see uh, how Boston adjust to the Curry pick and roll because in game two in the second half especially in the third quarter they could not guard Steph Curry in the pick and roll action so it'll be interesting to see uh, if they improve in that regard tonight if but you know if they can't stop that they can't stop that and and if Curry ends up getting 30 to 40 points tonight and it's all on pick and roll action and they just can't stop it you know it's going to be tough for for the Celtics to win this series if they can't stop the pick and roll with Steph Curry. Um, but I am picking the Celtics tonight. I think Jason Tatum will have over thirty. I think Jalen Brown will have over twenty. 
Uh, I think Draymond Green has the potential to foul out. And I just think that the the energy in Boston is just going to be electric. You know, Boston hasn't been to a finals in a while now. This is their first finals game in a long time. And, you know, the city is hungry for another championship and they're going to be they're going to be rowdy tonight. So I expect uh, Tatum and Brown to settle in. And I think that the Celtics will win tonight. Moving on to the Women's College World Series, Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners have had one of the most historic seasons in history, mowing down everybody in their path on the way to this championship. Uh, their superstar, uh, Jocelyn Allo, has been on fire here in the playoffs and in the College World Series. Uh, she is the most unstoppable force in college softball today one of the greatest college softball players of all time will have her swan song tonight uh, Oklahoma City or Oklahoma's pitcher uh, Troutwine has had a sub uh, 0.5 ERA all season and has been just shut down all playoffs long uh, I expect her to have a great night tonight as well like he has like she has all season she's arguably the best pitcher in uh women's softball today and you know you look on the other side there texas is you know they came into the postseason unranked and you know they're kind of a cinderella story right now and you know they've been playing they've been playing good ball but you know obviously the expectation going into tonight is that the sooners are going to win they're going to they're going to finish up the job they're going to become they're going to cement their legacy as one of the greatest teams in the history of college softball but I certainly will not complain uh, if it's close heading into the last couple of innings because obviously this is a great rivalry. Um, you know, this is this rivalry is mostly known for the football matchup, but you know, there's there's no hiding the fact that Oklahoma and Texas do not like each other, and you know the fact that this is such a high stakes game, the fact that Texas has an opportunity to sour the legacy of this great great Oklahoma team. You know, it's it's very intriguing, and if it's close towards the end, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be switching back and forth between this game and the finals. Um, but, you know, if it's a, a trouncing like a lot of people are expecting and Oklahoma runs away, obviously I'm going to be, I'm you know, I'm, after the first couple innings, I'm just going to be watching the finals. So um, very, very excited for this game tonight. I'm excited to see what Jocelyn Allo does here in her last game as a Sooner. And I'm very excited to see uh, just what goes on with Texas. You know, they, they don't really have a star pitcher. They're going to have to have someone come in and, you know, really have an irregular performance, especially against such a great Oklahoma Suter lineup. But, you know, we'll see. You know, Oklahoma's argu arguably the greatest college softball team of all time. Some people are starting to say that. I mean, they have excellent pitching. Uh, you know, power everywhere in their lineup. And, you know, for Texas to win tonight, they're going to have to play practically a perfect ball game. So um, obviously the expectation is that Oklahoma is going to win tonight. But, you know, and if Texas wins, it will be one of the biggest upsets in college championship history. You know, not just in college softball, but in any college sport. This would be one of the biggest upsets ever in college athletics. So, kind of hoping it's a good game you know just just for the drama of it all but obviously the expectations that Oklahoma is going to take it home tonight all right so let's move on to the NFL 
talked about the Deshaun Watson situation yesterday, and it's not looking good for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, there's some people that are starting to think that he may never play in the NFL again, which would be, I mean, if that ends up happening, the Browns just made the most boneheaded decision in the history of the entire league, giving someone that, you know, is going to be suspended for his entire career that much guaranteed money, you know, before he even plays a snap for you, um, would be one of the most laughable decisions in the history of football. But, you know, I'm looking at the situation and it looks like that it, it, there's a very real possibility that Deshaun Watson does not play in 2022. Um, because, you know, he's been, he's, you know, his messaging, his, you know, his truthfulness, you know, all the things that have been going on the last couple of days, it's been very suspect. And, you know, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he gets suspended for the entire year. Now, in that situation, what do the Browns do? They have a Super Bowl ready roster right now. You know, I think that if the Browns made the playoffs with Deshaun Watson on their roster, they're arguably the best team in the NFL. Um, and they're arguably the favorite to win the Super Bowl because they got everything. They got a great old line, uh, relatively good weapons, you know, great running game with two really, really good running backs, a great defense, uh, an adult at head coach, I mean, and a superstar quarterback. So, you know, there's there's no holes on this team with Deshaun Watson on the roster. And they're absolutely ready to go and win a Super Bowl right now. But if he's suspended for this season – you know, are you really going to go out there and trot out Jacoby Brissett? I wouldn't. I mean, I think that, I don't think that this is, this is maybe like, this is a borderline playoff team with Jacoby Brissett under center. You know, he's fine as a backup. You know, he can maybe win the games, you know, the, the, the easy games throughout this, throughout the year, but there's not a lot of easy games in the AFC, especially in the AFC North. So, you know, they're going to have to really rely on their running game and their defense, which they can absolutely do. Jacoby Brissett's, I guess, good enough to, you know, be a game manager and let the run game and the defense do its thing. So, you know, I think that they're a borderline playoff team, but they're definitely not a Super Bowl team. They're definitely not a team that can go and win a Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, so I think the question becomes, do they go and get Jimmy Garoppolo? who's been to a Super Bowl, who's been to two NFC championships in the last three years um, in an offense that's very similar to this. Um, somebody that's used to playing in a system where he's, where he's used to letting the run game and the defense do its thing. Jimmy Garoppolo is the type of guy that can maybe, maybe give you a chance at a title this year if you don't have Deshaun Watson. I don't think that they would be the favorite by any stretch. I think that they're, I think that teams with more dynamic quarterbacks would definitely be above the Browns with Jimmy G, but at least with Jimmy G, I think you're giving yourself a chance. I think if you trot out Jimmy Grop or Jacoby Brissett out there, you know, you're kind of sending the message to the locker room that we don't really think that we got a chance this year. Um, you know, because we've seen, we, we know what Jacoby Brissett is. We've seen what he, what he is with a good roster, you know, and he's just, he's just okay. And, you know, okay is not going to get it done in this conference this season. So if the Browns are really serious about winning a Super Bowl this year and if 
Deshaun Watson does get suspended for the entirety of 2022, I think that they should go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, you're probably going to have to pay at least a portion of his salary. It's, you know, they could just wait out San Francisco because San Francisco has exempt Jimmy G from their mini camp, their mandatory mini camp. So, you know, it seems like one way or another, Jimmy G is not going to be a 49er next season. So they might just wait it out and, you know, wait till they release him and then they'll bring him in. But, you know, if it were me, I would, I would trade for him, get him in the building, you know, the day that Deshaun Watson is suspended, get Jimmy G in the building. If it's, like I said, if it's for the entire year, you know, if it's, if he's gone 10 games, 12 games, I would, I would think about uh, moving forward with, with Brissett. But, you know, if he's gone for the whole year, uh, I'd go and get Jimmy G. And I'd get him in the building as soon as possible, learning the playbook, getting used to the guys. Because, you know, Super Bowl windows don't last very long in this league. And, you know, the Browns Super Bowl window with this roster is open right now. They need to they need to capitalize right now. And uh, if they don't, you know, it's just going to be yet another chapter in the misery, the absolute you know, the misery that the Cleveland Browns fans have had to endure over the last 50 years. Um, so, you know, Jimmy G, I think, gives them a shot. I think that he's someone that you can rely on. He's a, he's a solid pro, and he is a winner. You know, he's a proven winner in this league when you put a good roster around him with a good offensive line, good weapons, um, a good scheme, good defense. This guy can win in this league. Jacoby Brissett, is definitely on a on a lower level than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. So this kind of seems like a match made in heaven. I talked about yesterday why I don't think Baker Mayfield is an option. I think that that, that bridge is burnt already. Um, but I think Jimmy G would be a very interesting option for Jimmy Garoppolo, or for the Browns. So uh, another thing I want to talk about today, I want to talk about the New Orleans Saints, because, you know, they're, they're a mystery to me. Um... You know, because I don't really know how good they're going to be. You know, last year they had one of the best defenses in the league, and they've added really, really talented players like Tyron Matthew to this defense. So it's like they're only going to get better defensively. You know, they still have their, the same defensive mind running the show there with Dennis Allen. So I have no I have no qualms about the defense. The defense is going to be great. Um you know, they almost made the playoffs last year despite missing Jameis for a majority of the season last year. And when he was in, when Jameis was in, they were one of the best teams in football. And, you know, you're getting Michael Thomas back. You've added Chris Olave. You know, you still have Alvin Kamara. You still have one of the best old lines in the league. In terms of talent, you know, outside of quarterback, this is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Uh, they've beaten Tampa Bay four times in the last two seasons. Uh, so, I mean, people say that this team and Dennis Allen's defense in particular is Tom Brady's kryptonite. So, you know, that's that's an advantage that they have on Tampa Bay. Um, but to me, what's what this season for the Saints is really going to come down to is, you know, it's going to come to come down to Jameis Winston because we know what Jameis Winston is. He's either really high or really low. Um, and you know, what this team needs is just someone that can ride that nice, even middle and, you know, sometimes move up to that nice high, but you know, I'm just not sure if Jameis Winston is that player. 
Um, they won a lot of games with him under center last year, and he seemed to really, you know, tone down the the turnovers and the really really poor mistakes last season. But you know, it's still not a for sure thing uh, with Jameis Winston under center for the Saints. And then something that's really the big question mark is Dennis Allen at head coach. You don't have Sean Payton calling the plays offensively anymore. And without that, I, I really worry about Jameis Winston, really worry about, you know, is this new offensive coordinator going to put Jameis in the best possible situations to succeed the same way that Sean Payton does? I highly doubt it. And, you know, I think it's going to lead to yet another season filled with poor decisions and interceptions and fumbles for, for Jameis. But, you know, the defense and the run game and, you know, all that stuff and the fact that most of almost pretty much all of Sean Payton's crew, all of his staff is still there working for Dennis Allen. So it's it's not like that the culture is changing that much. But I think that the big thing that the Saints will be missing this year is Sean Payton's presence as a play caller. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a playoff team. You know, I think that in a weak NFC and specifically, you know, I mean, that division that they're in isn't particularly great either. They have Tampa Bay, who is great, but they've, they've kind of had their number. And then you got Carolina and Atlanta that are kind of on the downturn right now. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them go 6-0 and in the division this year. You know, that's just, you know, that's just kind of how I feel there. Um, but without Sean Payton's play calling genius on offense, I just, I just don't think that they're a real contender for a Super Bowl this season. I think that they need, uh, I mean, who knows, maybe this offensive coordinator that they're bringing in has learned a ton from Sean Payton and, you know, he's fantastic and they don't, and they don't skip a beat. Um, who knows, but, um, let's just say I'm skeptical that somebody is going to come in and be just as good as Sean Payton as an offensive play caller. Um, so I think that they'll be probably a wild card team. I think Tampa Bay still has the advantage uh, in the division. I think that Tampa Bay will win the division. I think New Orleans will be a NFC wild card team this year. But I don't, really don't see them as a, a true contenders. They're definitely not in my Super Bowl bubble right now. They're in my playoff bubble. And, you know, I just don't think that they are uh, legitimate contenders. Now, moving over to the AFC, another team that's kind of, you know, are they contender, are they not, is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they brought in Matt Ryan, replaced Carson Wentz. They still have pretty much all of their defensive pieces intact. Um, Kenny Moore's contract situation is a bit hairy right now, but we'll see on that. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is fantastic running behind that arguably the best offensive line in football. Frank Reich has an excellent, excellent culture there in Indianapolis. It's a real, you can, you know, if you watched Hard Knocks, the in, the in-season Hard Knocks season last year, um, you could tell that he's cultivated a family-style kind of culture there, um, and the players love playing for him. So I look at this team, uh, they added Alec Pierce, wide receiver that I really like out of Cincinnati in the draft. Uh, they still have Michael Pittman. They... Uh, they got the really, really big tight end out of Virginia. I, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Jelani Woods, uh, I think in the fourth or fifth round. He is freaking huge, man. He's bigger than Gronk, faster than Gronk. I'm not saying he's as good as Gronk. You know, Gronk is 
Gronk is Gronk, but and Jelani Woods is definitely raw coming out of college, but man, the potential on that guy is insane. And, you know, knowing that, knowing this culture, knowing the way that they cultivate talent, I would not be surprised at all if Jelani Woods is one of the best tight ends in this league within two to three years. Um, but anyway, Matt Ryan is a pro. He's he's going to be everything that Carson Wentz was not last year. Carson Wentz is the big, super dynamic talent that's a bit inconsistent and unreliable. Matt Ryan is the guy, the pocket passer, the the the, the game manager, the you know the guy that's been there and done that. And the only thing that he hasn't done is win a Super Bowl. And he is hungry, man. This team is hungry. Uh, this is a this is a really really great defense. They run that cover two scheme better than anyone else in football right now with Darius Leonard there in the middle. You know I think that this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think that they are. I think that they are my favorite even over Tennessee to win the AFC South this season. I like Tennessee, but I think I like the Colts just a bit more. Um, and then you know. When it comes to this team, they can beat you in a lot of ways. Matt Ryan can beat you through the air. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and this offensive line can just choke you out if they get a lead. This is a defense that can turn the ball over on you and get the ball back in the hands of their offense. You know They're never out of a football game, in my opinion. So this is a team that has a shot, in my opinion. There's a lot of teams in the AFC that have a shot, which is why the AFC is practically impossible to predict. This season, um, I think that the best that you can do in the AFC this year is just pick teams that you think have a shot, and you know, then it just pretty much just comes down to luck at that point, in my opinion. So, you know, the Colts I think are in that Super Bowl bubble for me. You know, I just think that they they're a very complete team. They have great culture. Uh, I think they just brought in a quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl. You know, some people don't believe in Matt Ryan anymore. I'm still a believer in Matt Ryan. So, yeah. Okay, so last segment here. Um, I want to talk about Najee Harris. And he's gained some weight this offseason, but apparently it's a good weight. It's all muscle. He added nearly 20 pounds to his frame. And now he's almost at, he's, he's over 240 pounds. He was just above 220 last year. Now he's just over 240, which is Derek Henry kind of numbers there. Um, so the question is, is he the next Derek Henry? And uh, the answer to that question is, I would not be surprised if he is the next Derek Henry. Um, if I were, you know, for fantasy purposes, I would be drafting Najee Harris extremely early, probably first couple rounds, because Kenny Pickett is probably going to be their quarterback and you know, he's probably not going to, he's going to be a game manager type guy. This is an offense and this is a team that's going to be looking to follow um, the Tennessee Titans model here where they have a, a solid game manager type quarterback at, uh, well, that they just drafted in Kenny Pickett. And then they're going to try to rely on dominant, on a dominant run game with Najee Harris uh, and a really, really great defensive play. And, you know, that's definitely a Mike Tomlin uh, kind of system that they want to run there. You know, when Mike Tomlin came in, they were big about pounding the football and playing great defense. It's 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 Pittsburgh blue collar through and through. 
And it's like if Najee Harris can turn himself into Derrick Henry, they'll have a shot with Kenny Pickett. You know, I was, I'm still incredibly, incredibly critical of that Kenny Pickett uh, selection in this division, especially if Deshaun Watson uh, comes back this season. You know, they just can't compete with the other quarterbacks in this division. You know, you got three superstar quarterbacks in this division now um, if Deshaun Watson ends up playing. And, you know, although this is a team with Najee Harris, if he turns into the superstar that many expect him to be, you know, they'll have a shot with Kenny Pickett. You know, maybe Pickett won't be run out of town within his first two seasons if Najee Harris can can just carry this offense on his back. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, but with the weight, it you know, Najee Harris works harder than just about anybody else in the NFL is what the rumors are saying. And, you know, he's he's extremely dedicated to his craft. I think that he's going to be one of the breakout stars in the NFL this year. And if the and if the Pittsburgh is extremely successful, like if they win the division this year somehow, he might be in the in the running to win MVP. Um, he's going to be I think he's going to win a lot of fantasy leagues this year. He catches the football really well as well, which is something that Derrick Henry, you know, he's not He's he's a volume runner, but he's not really a, a pass catcher. Uh, Najee Harris, what he brings to the table is that he brings the size and the power, and maybe not exactly the speed of Derrick Henry, but he's still very fast. And then you know he's got the the pass catching ability as well to be an elite check down receiver for Kenny Pickett, and that's going to be extremely important for Pickett in my opinion because he's not particularly talented throwing the ball down the field, so he's going to need. Uh, guys that can catch the football out of the backfield reliably. Najee Harris is that type of guy. You know, I think that the fortune of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, relies solely on Najee Harris's shoulders here, especially for the next couple seasons. And, you know, I think he's up to the task. So it's going to be extremely, extremely exciting to see this team play this year, in my opinion, with the rookie quarterback and Najee Harris uh, being as big as he is. I mean, who knows if he's kept up the speed. I mean, gaining 20 pounds in one offseason is a lot of weight. And, you know, I guess we'll have to see if he can maintain his level of speed and acceleration. But, you know, signs are starting to point to Najee Harris turning into an absolute superstar in 2022. All right, well, that's all that I have for you guys today. I want to give a quick shout out uh, to my brother, Joe Sperry and the Rochester Leward Eagles for winning uh, their section championship yesterday. Uh, this baseball team is a scrappy bunch. Uh, and, you know, I'm just so proud of everybody on this team. And, you know, they're going they're going to St. Cloud for the state tournament. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Joe and the Leward Eagles today. So uh, until next time, my name is Jack Sperry. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>